if you grew up in an abusive uh, household, you're experiencing these unhealthy dynamics. And a lot of those unhealthy dynamics bleed over to, you know, unhealthy parenting dynamics, right? So when you've been acculturated to, to that, it seems normal. It feels normal to you. So you might not recognize that in your own in your own relationship when you, you know, you move on and you grow up and you you become an adult or dating as a teenager. Welcome to Unstoppable. Are you tired of inspiration and ready for action? Are you ready to study the process of success? My name is Ralph Graves Jr. And on this show, we will hear stories of amazing people who are not just dreaming, they're actually living the life they want. Now, if you're ready to start moving toward the dreams you know you can reach, you are in the right place. This is Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Unstoppable. It's the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Graves Jr. So glad to have you guys here, man. Every every week, I say you guys could be listening to anyone else, but you chose to listen to this podcast so um, or watch it or wherever you are. And uh, thank you for being here. Today's guest, this week's guest, his name is Steve Dana. He is the CEO, the president, the chief operating officer of Protection from Abuse Services. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? It, man, it's so good to see you, man. You, you've you been out of, uh, we've been out of touch for a little while, man, but it's it's good to see you, man. Living in two countries, so. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Man, I, I thank you for being on the program. And man, safety is a big issue. Um, before we even get started, man, why don't you tell this audience a little bit about uh, what you do? Well, you know, for, I mean, it's coming up on three decades now, you know, I've been involved in uh, risk management, um, close protection, uh, security in general. And in 2015, I decided to pivot and take my my experience, my tradecraft, and really dedicate myself to the people that need it the most. And I founded uh, the organization, nonprofit, charitable organization called Protection from Abuse. And we provide safety and security programs and guidance and services uh, to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, uh, human trafficking, and under our federal grant, uh, any other violent crime. So we get involved in uh, routinely become involved in gang violence with victims uh, receiving threats, uh, gang associated threats, and uh, all sorts of other uh, heinous stuff where people are in danger. So, and now you, uh, you, you started a background of, of personal bodyguard. Am I right? Or you were. Yeah. You know, but by, by career, uh, you know, throughout my career, uh, I did that kind of work more as a sideline, um, you know, just, you know, personality, personal perspective. I never enjoyed babysitting executives or babysitting right. celebrities. Um, you know, the risk taker in me and the, you know, the the testosterone poisoning that I had much of my life, I, you know, I wanted to be in risky situations. So I never really enjoyed that. So uh, I only pursued that, uh, you know, I always kept an agency and I picked up that work where I could. Um, but a lot of my career was spent managing litigation and risk and uh, risk management. A few things I, I want to ask you, I know that you, pri I, I could be wrong if I'm saying this, you primarily um, now uh, have services that, that kind of focus on women, correct? Females or 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 males too? You know, 
typically the the individuals that will reach out to us are women, but okay. domestic violence affects everyone. And sure, sure. you know, when when we talk about running a charity uh, and providing services to the public, uh, there's a lot of attention given to underserved, so-called underserved populations. Um, and there are many of them, many different types of underserved populations. But with with respect to domestic violence in particular, uh, men are an unders, uh, underserved population. You know, men and women, um, you know, despite uh, public perception, uh, they abuse roughly equally. Um, men, when it's violent, uh, tend to be more severe, but men and women suffer from abuse roughly equally uh, in general. So, you know, men are an underserved population when it comes to domestic violence, but they rarely come forward because, quite frankly, most of the services are um, targeted for and, and, and more welcoming to women. Um, so I have, you know, as the leader of the organization, I've tried to move away from gender Okay. And I think in terms of individuals in need, individuals being abused or victimized and in need of safety services. Okay. Let's get right into it, man. I, I want I want my I'd like for my audience to try to ask some stuff they would ask. What are some of the first signs that I could be in an abusive relationship, whether it's romantic or whether it's a friendship? What are some of the signs when you give these seminars throughout the globe, throughout the world? Because somebody listening may be involved in something and like it might think it's weird, but not really abusive yet. But we know if, they, if this keep continues, it could turn into something abusive. What are some of the first signs? Wow. You know, that that's a load. There, there's many, many different signs, some very obvious, ranging to things that are very subtle. So obviously, uh, violence of any kind, right? is unacceptable no matter what, right? We all have to keep our hands to ourselves. So violence would be, you know, at that far end of the spectrum. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, there can be behaviors that are a lot more subtle, particularly, and I say subtle particularly, if you have been acculturated to those type of behaviors in your own family or you're in your own social circles. So while you and I may identify a behavior as abnormal, potentially to uh, toxic or abusive, um, to somebody that's been acculturated to that in their family or their upbringing, they may not recognize that behavior as such. Now, some of those behaviors would be uh, controlling behavior, right? Where um, somebody's trying to control the activities, uh, the friendships, the family relations, um, uh, the economics of the household, uh, you know, that it, sometimes it starts out very subtly and then, you know, oftentimes uh, it becomes very pronounced and obvious. So that would be uh, an early sign, controlling behavior, um, excessive jealousy, um, you know, uh, jealousy is something that we're all capable of, right? Jealousy is a natural human behavior that I think everybody experiences. But like a lot of human behaviors, they exist on a continuum. And although some jealousy is probably normal, extreme jealousy is not, right? That's yeah. we're off on the on the side of things where they could be toxic. So, and you know, when I think of jealousy, uh, I think a lot of people misinterpret that, and particularly young people, because I hear this, well, he just loves me a lot, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, jealous, jealousy is not love. You know, there's nothing, you know, jealousy is possession, and possession is not love. You love something, you do not possess it, and we do not possess 
any other human being. So, you know, I would say controlling behavior, um, jealousy, and there's a whole host of other, you know, different, you know, verbal abuse, uh, name calling, um, you know, there, there's, there are a lot of different behaviors that are unhealthy and potentially abusive that occur routinely, you know, that we've, um, that culture has normalized many of them, in fact, that some people won't even recognize them as being toxic or abusive. What about the new abuse? It's not new, but it's just flaunted now. Financial abuse, right? <laughs> well, that, that's a major one, right? Yeah, so, if yeah, I, yeah. You, know, you know, when we speak to particularly women, you know, men are particularly uh, breadwinners uh, when you have that traditional dynamic. And it's not the dynamic that's the, itself that's the problem. It's the abuse of that dynamic, right? So uh, a lot of women uh, remain in these situations to the frustration of family and friends because they have sacrificed education. They have sacrificed a career to stay at home and raise children, mm -hmm. right? So when I think of protective factors, particularly for women, protective factors uh, against uh, being in this situation, financial independence is a must, right? Financial independence, I like. I don't like to think of it in terms of gender. I like to think of financial independence as something that is a, a hallmark of adulthood for everybody, is to be yeah. Yeah. financially independent in some way. So, yeah, financial abuse is is really big, and it's a big hurdle to for a lot of women to escape a bad situation. They simply don't have the resources to really go anywhere you know, support their children if they have children, uh, rent a home, buy a car, et cetera, and so forth. You said something, and and it's just so much to talk about when it comes to this abuse thing, but you had said something about cultural appropriations, just like if you so the uh, are some cultures more lenient or, or on domestic violence than, than others? I guess the answer would be yes, but I, you know, explain that to us. I mean, I don't know if yeah. the answer is yes or not. I mean, but, you know, um, are some cultures just easier on domestic violence? Like like the woman or the man might say, well, this is part of being in a relationship. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's a fair question. So, you know, without targeting any particular culture, yeah. um, there are cultural ideas about this that do, you know, play into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly... Uh, heavily patriarchal uh, type of cultures, you you might find uh, some of those attitudes. Um, when I think of it, I I, I try not to um, you know to focus on any one culture in particular. I think in terms of individual circumstances. So sure. you know your acculturation or or different beliefs can arise from interpretations of your religious beliefs, right? Used mm -hmm. uh, to weaponize you know control over you and and ultimately abuse. Uh, but it can also be, you know, just your environment. You know, one of the examples I use uh, that's the most powerful way that I can understand it is my experience living in Tamaulipas, Mexico. You know, now Tamaulipas is a do not travel state on the U.S. Department, uh, State Department list. Do not travel for Americans. I live there. The state is very dangerous. Right. So, um, you know, my last three years there, you know, I'm constantly peeling back that onion and constantly shocked by the levels of insecurity and impunity and danger in the country. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to my wife about it, she just kind of shrugs her shoulders because she doesn't have anything to compare it to. Okay. So okay. while, you know, given my American culture, acculturation, where, you know, we have a strong judicial system, you know, these systems are not 
perfect, right? But we have a strong judicial system. We generally have good public safety. Right. Um, when we have corruption, it's not um, it's not the norm. It's it's usually the exception. She does not have anything to compare that to. I do. So I am shocked and she's not necessarily shocked because that's just life in many parts of Mexico. And I think the same applies. You know, if you grew up in an abusive uh, household, you're experiencing these unhealthy dynamics. And a lot of those unhealthy dynamics bleed over to, you know, unhealthy parenting dynamics. Right. So when you've been acculturated to, to that, it seems normal it feels normal to you so you might not recognize that in your own in your own relationship when you you know you move on and you grow up and you you become an adult or dating as a teenager they don't recognize so here's here's my question if i don't complain is it abuse i'm just i'm man you just caught me if i don't complain i'm in a different culture i'm not complaining you see it with our american eyes as abuse but if i don't complain is it abuse that's a. I think that's a philosophical question. Yeah, I, yeah. That's why. And man, look, we we, we go way back. Yeah. So I'll just make yeah. that thought out there. Uh, yeah, I I I think it. You know, I think it is. Uh, you know, just because right. some. You know, if something is unjust, but you accept it, does that make it less unjust? And I I would say the answer to that is no. And I think you know that any type of uh, toxic or abusive behavior that, uh, you know, and, and these type of behaviors in particular stop you from being everything that you can be and, uh, you know, affect people um, superficially and on very deep levels. And so whether they complain or not, um, you know, there there's a, um, you know, a human cost in terms of potential output and p- human potential and, uh, you know, people being the greatest, you know, version of themselves that they can be. And I don't think you can be that, um, you know, under those conditions. Yeah. There's this new kind of abuse. Now, I mentioned financial abuse. Um, there's this 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 new I guess you might know where I'm going. Uh, our our I'm married 32 years is um, sweet. It's lovely. I could never be single. Never do it again. Never try to do it again. Hope my wife lives forever. If she goes to glory before I do, I'm just buying, you know, I'll I'll. I'll get a dog or a cat or something for companionship, but I will never do it again. I see these brothers being, I think, abused by some uh, unrealistic standards, uh, financially abused, uh, mentally abused. Do you do you see or do you handle someone come to you? Do they talk to you about things like that? How can a, a man recognize when he's being abused? You know, that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. You know, I don't think men are are financially abused in the way women are because they're the breadwinner. Okay. But I do think, you know, we're in the middle of a long, you know, a decades long gender war, you know, right, where we're, right. we're swinging this pendulum back and forth on various issues. And, um, you know, I think men and women, you know, to a large extent, we speak a different language because we're, you know, we're wired different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the perception is that in a lot of cases, a woman is uh, seeking a man's money. And, you know, when we think of our hierarchy of needs um, in terms of just human needs, uh, you know, food, water, security, you know, uh, love, et cetera, and so forth. um, Security is a, is a big driver in relationships. And I think men and women experience that differently. Right. So I think a man with status, uh, a man with a good economic situation, 
signals security in the sense that he can take care of, uh, you know, himself, uh, his mate. And, you know, women have to think about any children that they bring into the world, right? Yeah. Men don't think like that, right? I have never, you know, I can speak for myself. I've never in my life concerned myself. And I have had a, you know, I only recently became married. So I had quite the run as the bachelor and, and quite the dating life. I have never considered what's what a woman did for a living or how much money she made. That has never mattered to me. And that's not typically how we date. So I think when men look at security, they're looking at how virtuous is a woman? You know, is she the type that is going to be faithful? Is this someone uh, who is a wise decision for me to invest my resources, my heart, uh, you know, et cetera, and so forth? So I think we see things very differently, right? When we're when we're meeting various needs, because we are not wired the same. But when people talk about it, they're using, you know, it's like my wife speaks Spanish and my native language, my native, uh, you know, language is English. And we're just, we're not understanding each other sometimes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, you know, to the original question, I don't think men, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. You know, so th there are women that are the breadwinner. Okay. Uh, but typically when we see it, we're, we're seeing it, you know, women are mostly affected by that because when we're talking about traditional type of relationships and staying home and caring for the children, that would be typically a woman. That doesn't mean that never happens to a man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, let's get to this. Let's get to the, uh, to, to uh, the, the, the young ladies, the dating scene. I've raised two daughters. I have a granddaughter. Um, some are, are listening to this podcast. Some some folks are, are listening. Oh, here we go. Um, my friend said on Instagram, that's because men really do love unconditionally. And he believes that women love with conditions. Mo, that, you guys are about to set my I don't believe, I don't believe podcast that. on fire. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, di I disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. You guys are about to set my But this is, what, this is why we do what we do. That's why we right. do what we do. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about that as well. OK, so I, I, they're, they're dating. Um, you said that some of the abusive tendencies begin to show early um, possessiveness, jealousy. They show early on, correct? No, not always. Uh, no? Typically, okay. you know, a lot of times it can happen uh, slowly over time. You know, it's often been compared to, you know, the fable of the, you know, the frog in uh in a pot of boiling water, right? If you were to throw a, a frog in a pot of boiling water right away, the frog would jump out. But if you yeah. threw a frog in a pot of water and you slowly heated it up to boiling, the frog would die in that boiling water. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we see, you know, abusive behavior happen um, after there's some investment by both sides and some control, you know, maybe they moved in together, particularly after they've had a child, there's a sense that there's a, a control and there's a, you know, a real strong link there. And, and those are real dynamics that do make it harder to leave a situation. So a lot of times, you know, we, we don't always see um, overt abusive behavior early on. But I think the subtle signs are, are usually always there. And, and I think that, you know, we um, a lot of people date like they get fast food. You know, they want to date and go through a drive through and order what they want. They want to have that relationship, you know, and yeah. part of part of dating uh, should be, you know, discovery of who somebody is, mm -hmm. because when somebody's, um, you know, the abusive, controlling, the jealous type, 
they usually have a history of that type of behavior or other antisocial or sociopathic behavior. So, you know, it behooves all young women and all young men to really get to know somebody. And the only way to do that is over time. And the other thing that I like to say is uh, you have to experience adversity together because you are not who you are during your best behavior. You are who you are when you're under pressure. You know, pressure, you know, we've got, um, you know, military uh, forces that um, do nothing but try to, you know, put people under pressure to see what their character is. And we see people's character when they're experiencing difficult times. Uh, we see character in relationships and relationship skills when we're not getting along. If we're disagreeing, how do we disagree? How do we handle uh, disagreements and fights and things like that, which will always come along in any relationship. So those, you know, it's important to take time and however long, you know, that that time needs, you know, till you really know someone. Yeah. Yeah. Here's one of the things that I I never, you know, you know, if I, you and I have had these conversations before and we're going to share with the audience today. She just, one of the one of them just got their tails kicked. Let's just say it's it's the female. She just got her tail whooped. And we get her out of the environment. We get her out, safely get her out. I I, I there were times where I I know you have went and gotten people out of bad situations. Why do you think they go back? Sometimes it's lack of resources, and then you know, other times it's you know love is not logical. You know, there's really nothing logical about love. You know, love is, love is nuanced. It's, uh, you know, they want to believe somebody's going to change, you know, uh, you know, I've never been in a, in an abusive relationship, but I have been in relationships that weren't going anywhere. Right. And, and that has taught me that this can happen to anyone, right? You know, you know you shouldn't be with that person. You know it's not going anywhere, but you love them. You have feelings for them, and you want to believe that you guys are going to turn the corner and everything's going to be okay. You know, abusive relationships are not that much different because there's not somebody on the other end that's just going to say, hey, I'm going to keep doing this to you if you come back. It's usually somebody, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'll never do this again. We'll work it out. We'll make everything okay. So, you know, it's it's complex. Do men who abuse women hate women? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that. I, 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 I think I think men that are, you know, I mean, I've never walked in those shoes. Right. But I think men that abuse are um, on a very deep level insecure. Uh, feel entitled, you know, listen, if I'm secure, I don't feel like I have to control everything. Right. right. So if I feel like I have to control something, then there's a lack of security there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of it's insecurity. Um, you know, we talked about how victims may become acculturated, but offenders are acculturated. You know, they may have grown up. Uh, and, and quite often, the majority of people that do grow up in abusive environments go on to become victims or offenders themselves. So we can't underestimate their own family background, right? What is their DNA? How are they wired emotionally? Um, you know, because many, um, many uh, psychopathies are, you know, environmental and, you know, genetic. So you're asking a very complex question. So I don't think it's just as simple as saying they hate women. Have you ever seen an offender 
in your line of experience, been doing it forever. Have you ever seen an inf- an offender change his way? You know, there are what are known as batterers intervention programs uh, okay. in various court systems and in various communities. And, and they're funded federally and at the state level. And all the numbers that I have seen uh, are dismal to the point where um, I don't understand how these programs get funded because there's there's very, very, very little return on investment. So the answer is, you know, in the you know, listen, can people change? Yes, but they they general people generally change over years and decades. Right. And. You know, when when other things are rooted in, uh, you know, your your environment, your acculturation, and particularly with respect to your own genetics, uh, you're not going to change your genetics. You know, if you're if you're wired to be a narcissist, um, chances are you're not going to one day cure yourself of narcissism. You may find a way to better manage it. But, um, you know, we have a saying uh, in in threat management circles, and that is uh, past is prologue. You know, we can't predict what somebody's going to do in the future, but the best predictor is past performance, past behavior. Yeah. So very powerful. So, you know, generally speaking, um, no, they do not change. And this is why I don't understand why they go back. All you got to you just got to throw hot grits on me one time. I ain't never coming back. Right. But victims don't understand that. And, you know, hope is help is hope is a hell of a drug. You know, we 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 hope, you know, when you have feelings for somebody, when you're invested in somebody, you might have children together. You know, children having children together is a tremendous pressure. You know, think of the pressure, the societal pressure we put on single moms. You know, you're a single mom. It's almost like a scarlet letter. You know, like you've you've somehow failed because you're a single mom. So there's there's a lot of pressure to stay together because of the kids and maybe give somebody, you know, another chance uh, and try to work it out just for the children. So, you know, again, there's yeah. there's not a, a, a there's not a an easy, satisfying answer. It's complex, it you know, is. and it's, it's very nuanced. complex. And, I, and I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just putting these questions out here because I know my audience and, and I know someone in the audience might be feeling the same way. And, and I would say as a as a as a, a man who was once a child, I wouldn't want my mother to stay in an abusive relationship. I'd grow up and say, why would you stay? Right. Oh, I'd ask my father, why'd you stay? You stayed for me. I'm the reason why you kept taking whooping. Right. Well, but but that's easy for you to say because you grew up, and I know this because I know your mother and your father. Yeah. You grew up in a loving, intact, healthy family. Not I perfect. Hard. I was hard, man. I was but hard. Not, yeah, you grew up hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and I'm not saying you grew up in a perfect, you know, there's no right. perfect families. Right. But yeah. the, you did you didn't grow up with that. That wasn't normal to you. So it's easy for you and I to sit here and say, absolutely not. And and by doing that, we're judging, you know, subtly judging those that that didn't grow up in those circumstances and don't see it our way. Yeah. You know, and that's a journey. You know, that's a journey to, you know, we it's not just abuse. I mean, you know, think of all the things that that we differ about in these different social and religious issues and uh, political issues that are going on now. And there's so much division. You know, people believe different things for different reasons. You know, it's just not and it's just not that simple. And, you know, these dynamics are very much the same. Let's let's switch gears, man, real quick before we wrap this up. Let's talk about I see a lot of 
personal protection. You you teach awareness, you teach situational awareness, you do seminars with men and women and women, you know, uh, boys and girls. You teach situational awareness, you be aware of your surroundings. I see a lot of things now. Uh, I, I see a lot of these non-lethal weapons, whether it be tasers, whether it be those the pepper spray, the burner guns, whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, all of it needs all of them need need training and whatnot. When, when you're doing a class and when it comes to protection, uh, protecting your own welfare, maybe my wife is walking the dog in 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 the park. You know, are, are there are there uh, certain tools, non-lethal tools, without saying a name because there's not a sponsor paying me? Are there certain non-lethal tools uh, that you could uh, would recommend to some of our men and women? You know, leaving the office late, getting dark early. What right. do you suggest? How, how does one protect themselves? Well, you know, it's it starts with situational awareness, and you know, I have a bone to pick with how that is traditionally taught because, and you actually echoed it. You know, you said, be aware of your surroundings. You know, this general awareness of your surroundings is ap absolutely worthless. You know, it's what yeah. you do with, with that awareness, right? Right, right. And if we think of our surroundings, um, there is a ton of information to take in if you want to take that in, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not simply an awareness of our surroundings. It's awareness, it's understanding what we need to be aware of, right? We we do need to be aware, but we need to filter, you know, what's coming into us. And okay. as I like to say, true situational awareness is to be able to make reasonable predictions about people and the environment. Okay. So a simple example of doing that, right? We've all looked out the window. Before we go out some days, we want to know what the weather is. Sure. And if we see if we see storm clouds, we know we might need an umbrella. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to rain but we know to grab an umbrella, right? That's a reasonable prediction. It's not a guarantee. Right. So if we understand how people move, if we understand when we're vulnerable, um, we can absolutely make those type of reasonable predictions when we're aware. Now, the other part of this that doesn't get talked about, you know, situational awareness, uh, whether you practice it in a really good way or, or a negligent way, um, you know, the other its sister is situational readiness. It doesn't do me any good to be aware of a threat if I cannot react to that threat, gotcha. right? That means everyone, absolutely everyone should have some type of weapon. And you get some pushback against that because some people are not comfortable with weapons. Well, you know, I, in every car, and I mean, it's changed a lot in, in the last couple of years, they keep making cars and trunks smaller and smaller, but you know, in every car is usually some type of tire repair kit, if not a spare tire and a jack, right? Yeah, sure. You don't expect to get a flat tire, but if you do, you're ready for it. Right. I carry a firearm. I may carry other type of weapons. I don't carry that with the expectation that I have to use it. I carry that with the same expectation that I know that I have a good spare tire and a jack in my trunk so that if I'm somewhere and I get a flat tire, I'm not stranded. Weapons are the same way. Weapons are classic force multipliers. And the reason why weapons are necessary for personal protection is because uh, your typical offender or um, you know, assailant or or a predator, uh, they're not looking for a fair fight. You know, it, the, the the laws that apply on the Serengeti apply the same way. You know, in in our communities and our streets. So we don't see gazelles hunting lions or cheetahs. 
It's the other way around. Sure. And in fact, when we look at the hunting behavior, the predator behavior of a cheetah, he's not looking for the strongest, fastest gazelle. He's usually trying to get a young one or or or, or an injured animal, right? Predators are the same way because number one, they want to get away with the crime. They want to have success. So they're looking people, you know, they're looking people that may be vulnerable where they have an advantage. They may have a weapon of their own. Uh, they have the advantage of picking the time and the place where they're going to... Uh, you know, attempt their victimization. So typically a predator or an attacker is going to have all these advantages over you. Um, so without some type of force multiplier, without some type of equalizer, you're almost guaranteed to be a victim if somebody does target you. So everyone should have a weapon. Back to your original question. Yes, there are a number of um, non-lethal options, right? Um, two of my favorite are pepper spray and taser. And the reason is that because both can be used at a distance and distance equals time, right? Distance and time have a, have an intimate relationship. And, um, you know, if I can engage you from 10 feet rather than, you know, close quarters, then that's better for me. That's better for anyone. So a taser, you know, the typical, uh, consumer taser, uh, same technology, but the, the typical, um, Consumer taser has a range of about 15 feet. Okay. You know, effective range, you know, I'm recommending 12 to 10. Pepper spray, eight to 10 feet, you know? So we've got that standoff distance where we don't have to engage someone. Okay. Now, I had a young lady, I gave a college lecture the other night and I had a young lady uh, speak out and said she carries a knife. And I said, okay, you know, that's fine. You know, a, a knife is a weapon, but a knife is a lethal weapon. And you may not always be in a lethal situation. Right. So, you know, as, as important as I think weapons are, I, I think they're mandatory for everybody. It's even more important to understand the law of self-defense and what you're allowed to do or not to do. Just because somebody's trying to victimize you doesn't mean that you are not going to be held, you know, accountable to the standards of law. And if you injure somebody or end up killing somebody, there will definitely be an investigation and, and you could be charged with a crime. So weapons are important, but understanding the law is even more important. And then understanding how to effectively use that weapon, of course, training, of course. Um, you know, the learning curve for pepper spray is very low. And even the learning curve for taser is pretty low. I, I you know, I can teach just about anybody how to safely and effectively use a taser within two hours. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Everybody, you guys hear that? You should be carrying some sort of self-defense weapon. As a matter of fact, I like the way Steve said it. What did you call it, uh, Steve? A force multiplier. Yeah. Yeah. A force multiplier. Yeah. Now, Steve, I, we're about, we're, I, I got to wrap this up, man. I'm having a great time. You know, you and I could talk all night. How can they find you? Give, give me, I, I want your website. I want your email. Maybe someone listening can, I don't know, do you still do seminars? You'll still show up and do some seminars or yep. give some advice and, and whether it be they're in some sort of abusive relationship or just want to know how to defend their their home, their themselves. How can they right. find you? So, um, you know, if, if you or someone you love is uh, or know is in an abusive uh, situation, uh, our hotline is 833-657-7683. That's 833-657-7683. That's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year uh, number, right? We never close. 
Um, my email is Stephen with a V, the only way to spell Stephen. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> Stephen. Stephen period Dana, D-A-N-A, at protectionfromabuse.org. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Steve Stephen, uh, the bodyguard Dana. And on Instagram, I am the bodyguard.official. And I don't know my TikTok account, but, you know, I do try to put out education. Who, who does? I even have a TikTok. I think we're too old to know, really know. The t- I don't even know how to work my TikTok. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, Steve, this has been great, man. Thank you for just adding value to all of the listeners today. And um, just thank you for doing uh, what you do and putting yourself in harm's way and teaching others how to get themselves out of harm's way, man. You are truly, truly, uh, you're truly a hero, brother. You're a hero. You know, I appreciate that, but I'd be remiss to not point out that you are on the board of protection from abuse. And, you know, I'll just, I'll close on this. You know, I've been doing this work for, I guess, eight years now. And in the beginning, when we didn't have the resources we have now, uh, we helped some people. But, you know, in the last two years, we've helped over 1,100 people. And you you don't do that without public support. You don't do that without good board members that support and promote the mission. I mean, you know, we've even had... Uh, people reach out confidentially that go to the church uh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. we worship with. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's it's important. You know, the work cannot be done in a vacuum without support. So I have to thank you for your your undying, unflinching, uh, consistent, you know, and, and fantastic support. Always, brother. Always, always, always. Duty bound. Guys, you have been listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. You've been watching the Unstoppable Podcast as well. My name is Ralph Graves Jr., I'll see you next time. Let's be unstoppable together. See you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Unstoppable. If you like this show, my only request is that you share it with someone you know who needs to hear it. A huge part of the journey of success is doing it in community. So I want you to share this episode with a friend of yours. And if you want to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a DM on Instagram at Ralph Reese Jr. with one thing you loved about this episode and I will make sure to give you a shout out. I'll see you next week on Unstoppable.